Welcome to Podcast Ed, the podcast of reimaginedonline.org, sparking the evolution of education choice. On this episode, senior writer Lisa Bowie talks with Nicole Bradica, a veteran homeschool mom of five who is using a state scholarship for the first time to send her oldest child to a private classical school. Hello, everybody. Today I have with me Nicole Bradica. She is a mother of five from ninth grade all the way down to age two. And they live in a small town and it's pronounced Chuliota. So we want to say uh, welcome to the program, Nicole. Thanks so much, Lisa, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, you are one busy woman. <laughs> um, so, so tell me, tell me about you and, and your husband and your kids. Sure. So my husband, Mike, and I, uh, we've been married for 16 years. We met each other here in Central Florida um, and uh, have been in this area ever since. Uh, so we have five children, like you said. Um, Margaret is 14. Sarah is 10. Josh is eight. Hannah's five. And Matthew is two. So ninth grade down to three-year-old toddler craziness, um, which keeps us pretty busy. So, but yeah, we've really enjoyed this area. Um, and now we live a little farther out of town. It's nice. We're about 10 minutes into like the nearest Publix, but we have a little bit of land. And so we're just kind of grateful to be raising our family in the country. What about your town? Tell me about Chuliota. So sure. So Chuliota is just past um, Oviedo, Florida. So we are about 20 minutes from UCF. So we're really close to getting in and getting access to whatever we need. Um, but Chuliota itself is pretty tough. It's pretty small. It has a kind of an old town feel, very rural. There's still a lot of, you know, landed properties here. So it's been really fun for us. We, we back up to a state forest. We see all kinds of animals. Right now we have chickens and a small garden and an orchard of fruit trees. And we're hoping to kind of expand that over the next couple of years and thinking about pigs and bees. So <laughs> the kids are trying to convince us of that. They say it'll be really fun. I just, I think fun and work. So <laughs> have to kind of pace it. <laughs> now tell me about your kids. What are their names, ages, and their interests? Sure. So and what, what learning environment are they currently okay. in? Gotcha. Um, so let me start with the bottom then. So Matthew is two. So he's our resident toddler and he is into cars and trucks and anything that has wheels, um, getting into mischief and keeping up with the big kids. So I'm glad I have extra eyes on him because he gives us a little bit of a run for our money as far as are things really safe and <laughs> how can we make them safer? And then right above him, we have Hannah, who is five, and she just entered kindergarten. She loves stories and making friends. She loves dancing, anything sparkly. She is happy most of the time. So she's a pretty friendly, sweet little one. Um, and we are homeschooling her. And then Joshua is eight and he is in third grade and he loves Legos and military history, and engineering, problem solving, um, and karate is a new thing for him. And we also homeschool him. And then Sarah is 10 and she's fifth grade and she loves math, writing, history, she is, so technically she's fifth grade. She's got one of those um, early birthdays for the year. So she's on the older end of fifth grade. So we kind of do a hybrid of sixth and fifth grade work for her. Um, and she's also homeschooled. 
And then our oldest is Margaret, who's 14, and she just entered ninth grade. She loves writing and drama and the arts um, in particular. She has a good mind for history and connecting cross subjects. She's very language oriented and so loves writing stories, like I said, but also um, like debate and speech as well. And she is our brick and mortar kid. So she is at, at the Chesterton Academy of Orlando, which is a brand new private school in the Orlando area. And was she homeschooled leading up to this? She was. So, yes. Yeah, so we we had her in um, a VPK program when she was four. And we did that for a couple of months. And then we just felt like it wasn't the right fit for us. So we brought her home and started homeschooling. And, you know, we discern it every year for each child. But so far, we've just been at it with everybody. So she has been homeschooled up until this point. So I was a little nervous with that transition into a regular school. Um, just to see how she would adjust. But I've had some very lovely letters from faculty just letting us know that she's doing well. So and and a, and a, a really great friend to her classmates. So very encouraging to hear with that transition. Oh, that is uh, definitely great to hear. How did you determine that these learning environments, in this case, homeschool for everybody until this year for, mm-hmm. for Maggie, um, how did you determine that those were the best fit for each child? Because I know you evaluated each child individually. Right. So part of our homeschool journey has been kind of looking at what is homeschooling? What can homeschooling be since we felt called to that with Margaret when she was little? So really spending a lot of time kind of learning, like, what are different educational methodologies and which ones do we really gravitate to that um, affirm and build up our family culture? kind of like looking through curriculums just to see what curriculums fit those methodologies, walking with some um, veteran moms who have homeschooled longer than I have to kind of walk me through any questions I have, attending conferences, retreats, spending a lot of time on my own professional development as an educator um, has been very helpful. And then so kind of taking all that into account each year, I sit down and do an evaluation of each child and kind of what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and try to see, like, is this still the right fit for them? Um, you know, every year or every year that we add a child into formal schooling, I kind of look at that as well. Um, we try to see, like, what else are the other family dynamics, you know, for that year if we add a baby, if we're traveling a lot, if my husband has a high work demanded, you know, in his schedule. Um, so there's a lot of factors that kind of go into that. Um, we are a Christian family, and so we do spend, you know, time in prayer as a couple about what we think is best for, for the children, um, each child. And then also, how is it going for us, too, as parents, um, and making sure we have the resources available and the support we need. Um, you know, first is relationships. And so we really want to make sure that I'm, I'm a mother first, then an educator. And so if I feel like what we're doing in home education isn't helping the child, that would definitely lead us to examine that. And we've had a couple years where we took that into stock, you know, was, um, is this helping or hurting the relationship? And so we did kind of roll back on formal schooling for a couple of months, really address some emotional needs um, as, as parent and child first, and then kind of came back with formal schooling. And that seemed to help them transition through those harder moments. Um, but yeah, so every year is a little different with the discernment, um, but finding really great support, you know, helps so much. And, and what were the biggest challenges 
with homeschooling and, and how did you find a way to overcome those or the resources to overcome those? Because, you know, right. even homeschooling one child is, uh, can be daunting to a lot of people, seem daunting. And you've done this with five. Right. So, yeah. So I think some of the challenges that we faced um, over the years is, um, so Margaret did have a visual processing disorder um, when she was younger, and we discovered that upon learning to read. Um, And so um, kind of talked with a mentor through our um, umbrella school that we use to kind of narrow that down and then find a curriculum that would best fit. Um, visual processing can be, um, as far as I know, similar with dyslexia. So we found a curriculum that is designed for dyslexic students. We also slowed down how we tackled reading. Um, and so she wasn't a proficient reader until she was closer to 10. Um, and we just took our time. We continued you know, using the program and we made progress every day. It just took a little longer. But now she reads at, you know, what I consider grade level or above. And, you know, she's tested that way. So we got there, but it was nice to have the resources and at the time to kind of walk us through that that challenge. Um, We've had friends and family question our decision to homeschool, um, especially in the early years. Now, not so much because we've been doing it for over 11 years, Um, but in the beginning, for sure. And, And hard, too, because some of them are educators. And so it can be perceived as like a personal you know, insult. Well, why wouldn't you put your child in school? Do you think I'm not a good teacher? And and it's not at that at all. I mean, we have we have friends and family that are homeschoolers. We have friends and family that are private school or public school or um, religious schools. Like, it's nothing nothing on anybody. It's just kind of discerning what's best for for our child and our children and our family. Um, so that was definitely a challenge. Um, We've had other slow readers, and so we kind of took what we learned with Margaret and just continued um, making progress, but kind of we shortened our reading lessons. We were consistent with them, but we shortened them. We made them more manageable for that child so they wouldn't feel overwhelmed, and we just kept working at it. And, um, yeah, I mean, we just that's how we do it, and and they get to a a good place. It just takes a little bit more time. Um, Other challenges have been uh, budgeting budgeting for this lifestyle um, because I am required to be here educating our children. You know, I don't have a nine to five work day um, anywhere else. This is, is what I do. And so moving to a one income family in order to support this requires some creative budgeting for curriculum, for field trips, for co-ops, other things like that. Like you said, we are a wide family. Um, The kids are about three years in age. And so Every couple of years, we've added in and a new little person. And so, um, you know, those years have their own challenges with pregnancies or new babies, um, toddlers, which is the phase we're in right now, and their personalities and what they want to be interested in and how much of, of mom they need as well. Um, and I think other challenges, you know, is everybody has bad days now and then. And it's knowing how to navigate that realizing again, you know, I am mom first. And so sometimes it's, you know, I'm a type A planning person. And sometimes I need to put my planner aside and say, you know what, we built in the margin, we are going to use that today, because today needs to be a heart today, where we address these, whatever feelings are happening, you know, and, and just kind of let them, let them have that moment of, of just mom. So um, yeah, different challenges, picking curriculums in the beginning, I think it felt overwhelming, knowing 
what we wanted to use for curriculum, there's so many good things available. There wasn't a lot of like, oh, picking between good and bad. There's just so many goods. And so kind of how to narrow that down and see what curriculums really help us in the mission that you know we feel called to and, and the family culture that we're trying to build. So now I feel like I've got a good handle on that, but definitely in the beginning, finding the right curriculum and being willing to try something and step away if it's not it, being willing to try something and kind of stick with it too, to see maybe we just need to get over this hurdle. And so, yeah, that constant kind of discernment. Ops and, and other outside resources helped you. I know the, the image that, you know, people who don't understand homeschooling get when they imagine is they think of a child who is just locked down in a kitchen all the time. And I know that couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> no. Yeah. So we, um, so we're on about three acres. So uh, we do have a lot of outside time built into our day for the kids to run around and um, play in the dirt and <laughs> play on the swing set and, um, and just do projects and, and enjoy one, you know, their time with one another. Um, when we started, one thing I wanted to do was to be a part of a co-op. Um, one co-op seemed good at the time. A couple years, we've had multiple co-ops going, just depending on what our needs were, but mainly because I wanted to spend time with other educators to see how are, you know, I read about all these, you know, idealistic visions, but how do you do this every day? And so that was really helpful for me to make friends with these other moms and kind of find that out. Um, the kids, they have made so many friends in so many circles here within the Central Florida region. Uh, we've done a variety of co-ops over the years. Um, we've Most of them are enrichment co-ops. So there's, there's a, a difference between academic co-ops and enrichment co-ops. There's also some drop-off programs. There's also um, online classes, you know, so we have a lot of things available to us. Um, the enrichment ones we've done have added greatly to like our science, our art. Um, they've done, I'm trying to think what else they've done through those. A lot of, yeah, different PE programs, which is great because while we do have a lot of room to roam, it's hard to get an organized sports game together with five kids, two of which can't quite do the rules. So, <laughs> so that has been nice too. We're part of a PE class where they can learn games that where you need quite a few more more bodies on the field. So um, we've enjoyed that. And that's been such a blessing, I think, for our family to have the co-ops. And your oldest is going now to a brick and mortar school. So tell me more about that and why you think that will benefit her at this stage in her education. Sure. So, um, so the last two years, we were part of um, a co-op part of it this year as well called Catholic Schoolhouse. Um, that meets here in Orlando, and it is a classical model co-op. And for the middle schoolers, 7th, 8th, and ninth, actually, so that's the dialectic stage, they focus on a Socratic-style seminar, and they have a variety of subjects, um, but their seminar really connects their history and literature. And they have opportunities to really discuss literature, to debate with one another about topics and so I noticed that first year was kind of a transition for us from the methodology I use at home to moving into a classical model. Um, and that challenged Margaret and she struggled with it. But on the, the end of the year, I could see she had really grown a lot as a student and as a person. And then her eighth grade year just really thrived in that environment. 
uh, friends of ours are on the board of the new Chesterton Academy here in Orlando, and they had talked to us about wanting to, to start the school and what it looked like. And we did a lot of research. Um, the first school started up in the Minneapolis area back in 2008. And from there, they now have over 45 around the world. And we really looked at that model of education and could see it being a really good fit for her in her high school years, um, in the sense that it is a Socratic style seminar in the classrooms. There's a lot of discussion, debate. And, and so when I say debate, and you know, a lot of times we, we think about teenagers and they, they love to argue and it's part of brain development, it's necessary. And what I want them to learn and what, and I actually help tutor our dialectic kids at our co-op currently, the seventh, eighth and ninth graders is how to argue well. It's how to express your point and your point of view, express the research you've done on something to be able to take critical feedback and to really discuss things well without being vicious or attacking somebody else's character. But that's how we know things is we have to challenge them. So I was grateful when we saw that this new school option was becoming available. Um, so Margaret is in the first ninth grade class. They just have two grades right now. They'll add a grade for the next two years until they hit their, their four years. Um, and they're small classes right now since it is brand new, um, but she's really enjoying it. You know, comes home every day telling me about what they discussed in class. And, and it's fun to hear, you know, this person said this and I didn't know if I agreed with them. And so we talked about it some more. I'm like, oh, that's what we want, right? We want these kinds of conversations. So, um, yeah, we're very pleased uh, with that so far. So. Well, that's great. Uh, teaching five children how to argue uh, has the potential to backfire on you, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> it does. And they're all very stubborn personalities, just in general. We don't have any laid-back kids. So <laughs> we kind of set ourselves up for this, I think, within our homeschool journey is, you know, it is having them tell me how, how it could be done better. And maybe that's an engineering mindset. I'm not sure. But uh, it's just it's at times makes me want to pull my hair out. And other times I'm like, these are going to be great skills when you're an adult. We just have to get you there. So. <laughs> yeah, my son needs to go to law school. I told him he's a very good uh, arguer with uh, me. <laughs> right. I have one of those. She's very good with letter of the law and she catches me on it all the time. So I have to be super consistent. <laughs> yeah. About uh, the Florida Tax Credit Scholarship you said she had uh, received, how did you learn about that scholarship program? So our board of directors for Chesterton had done a lot of research and um, kind of going into this, knowing that, you know, they, they have this, they know how much tuition will be, and they really want to enable families to be able to have choices. And so... They networked with a lot of friends within the Central Florida area and that had used other private schools. And I think it was just word of mouth that said, hey, well, have you looked up the step up for students? And so they reached out and had a representative willing to um, put on a webinar for interested families for Chesterton. And so my husband and I participated in that, asked a lot of questions, um, got some good follow up emails. And so we decided to apply and we qualified, so Margaret was awarded that scholarship. Because it is a brand new school, they have to meet certain criteria, and I think part of that process is still happening this month, and so we're hopeful that that all finishes up, um, and 
everything goes through like it should, because that's the only way that she can go um, to this school, especially, you know, especially just having five kids and looking at things financially. So just making sure that um, this is definitely a blessing to our family to enable her to attend. I understand uh, one of your children may qualify for a family empowerment scholarship for That's children with unique abilities. Tell me more about that. Sure. So um, we've also had uh, a representative kind of just talk with us about our family and each of our children. And um, we've mentioned that um, both of our sons have genetic diagnoses and and they didn't ask invasive questions, but they did want to kind of to know what the exact diagnosis was to see if it qualifies as a rare genetic disease. Um, so at this point, we've started the application process for our older of our two sons, who's eight, Joshua. Um, so he has familial testoxicosis, which is a rare form of precocious puberty. Um, and so we're just getting all of our paperwork in place and hopefully we can apply for that. That would um, yeah, just enable us to kind of help meet his needs too. So part of his disease is that he has an adult level of testosterone. So as you can imagine, as anybody around little boys knows, they're always high energy. Um, adult level testosterone can also manifest in like super big emotions, um, aggression, um, high energy, like even more high energy. So, you know, he eats quite a bit. We're feeding, you know, that, that high, high testosterone level. So when he is awake, he is always going. Um, so hopefully by applying for the scholarship, um, and hopefully getting it would enable us to look at, um, you know, extracurriculars that would help kind of harness some of that energy, um, look at different resources that we can use to partner with him. Um, my husband and I do, we've done a lot of kind of like parenting seminars just to know, like, you know, equip us with as much tools as we can have on, on hand. How do we handle these, these big feelings, you know, and giving words to these big feelings and really watching that aggression to make sure that it's not, an issue with his siblings or friends. Um, Joshua is pretty amazing though. So I'm so glad that um, he did receive speech therapy as a child and now he's able to really put a lot of words to the emotions he's feeling. So sometimes we have to take breaks and deal with that. And, and that's really great that he's able to tell me like, I need to step away. I'm like, ah, let's step away then, you know? So (laughs) one of the key features of the Family Empowerment Scholarship for Unique Abilities is its flexibility. It is an education savings account format, which is different from the tax credit scholarship that Margaret has, which goes directly to a school. Um, Tell me more about how that flexibility would help you. And, And also, if it were extended to um, you know, everyone in your family would qualify for such a scholarship if that were to happen, how that would help you customize their educations further. Sure. So, yeah, I can see that being a huge blessing. And, um, you know, we, we have Joshua in scouts and he does PE and he does karate. Um, so we've, you know, added in different extra extracurriculars um, each year as he's gotten older and those physical needs, um, you know, are becoming more demanding for him. Um, so being able to use that towards those extracurriculars would be a huge help. Um, also, this is a personal thing, but um, when our children hit fourth grade, uh, when I do that end of the year review, I also sit down with them and I ask them, 
what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and what things they're really interested in. And so my older two girls, we've done that with. Joshua will do that at the end of this year with me. And it's always fascinating to me to find out, like, really, what are they gravitating to or what do they want to learn more about? And I try to build that into our into our um, our home education plan for the next year. So, like, I have one when she met with me in fourth grade, we talked about um, her desire to learn first aid and to do a babysitting class when she got to be the right age. And she wanted to do um, some additional scouting programs. You know, had another one that said they wanted to do more baking in the kitchen with me and loves kitchen chemistry. So I said, okay, we're going to add that in. So for Joshua, you know, at the end of this year, we'll have that discussion. Right now, he loves military history, anything Army. I, I say military history, but it's really Army. <laughs> um, both my parents were Navy. And so it's it's hard for me. I'm like, oh, you're this is not my comfortable spot, but he loves Army. So I'm going to learn to be an Army mom, I think. Um, so but things like that, where I could reach out and be like, what are some options of programs that someone who loves um, military things? And um, he also loves engineering. So, you know, I could look into robotics for him or different um, outside land programs. We have a great just natural lands program here in Seminole County. Um, we've been blessed to be a part of 4-H um, for a few years and we took some time off. We've done a lot with our um, just natural lands programs. They do an eco camp in the summer and he thrives in that. He's asked me a lot about what the Army Corps of Engineers do and what our Florida Wildlife Commission does. So. I think he's now getting to an age where I need to start finding him some programs that um, he could get matched into and just have a blast learning all these things. Um, so yeah, I can see that being a super big help for us with him. For our other children, um, I use a curriculum provider called the Charlotte Mason Education Center. And they, um, they're based out of Philadelphia, but anybody can be a part of the program. Um, and so every year they give me my curriculum plans for each grade, um, all the book choices. They have so many great parent resources uh, for me each month um, for, for my continuing education. And then I love their arts program. They have so much on fine art, on art instruction and on handicrafts. And so I can see this educational savings account being able to apply to some of these additional arts programs um, that my kids really enjoy. So what I hear you telling me is this would really be beneficial because your kids are all different and you would be able to give them these these extra enrichment opportunities that would really broaden their education. Exactly. Yeah. And part of um, I am a Charlotte Mason educator. She was a British educator and um, I love her methodology of, of providing a rich and wide feast and so um, my umbrella school only requires me to teach five subjects every year. So it's like English, math, history, science, and religion. That's all I have to teach. But we teach <laughs> we do so much more. Um, and, and this educational philosophy that we have just is, is really wonderful. It's always hard every year when I look at it, I'm like, what is the actual amount of time in our day that we have <laughs> to use? Because there's so many things that we want to do. And so we do have to sit down and kind of just look at our family culture again. What's important to us as a family? 
Um, so having, we have a co-op one day a week that we're at all day. So I really have four days to, to, to school here at home. What do those days need to look like for us um, as far as time management? Um, how much time do we devote to each subject that we go over? And what are those extras that we like to get in? So, you know, we do folk songs. We do um, English country dance. We do hymns. We do lots of handicrafts. Um, you know, and so those add to their educational enrichment, but we also have make time for family play as well. Um, sibling, re sibling relationships was one of the main reasons we decided to homeschool. Um, I wanted my kids to be able to be kids together. So, uh, so we try to make sure that's a part of our homeschool day as well, that they have the time together to connect. So, um, but yeah, they're all so different, like you said, and being able to, to add something special that you know, just really brings them so much joy. It's, it's a lot of fun. Now, in your 11th year, um, you're you're a bit of a pro in <laughs> homeschooling. That's probably an understatement. But uh, what advice would you have for other parents who may be considering homeschooling as an option? Sure. Um, I think... I think that the first couple things I would say would be um, you're not alone, <laughs> knowing, knowing that right away, um, and and just kind of walk yourself through the process of learning about educational methodologies and what fits you and the family culture that you want to create. Um, attend you know conferences or retreats to learn the legal aspects of homeschooling. Make sure you're connected with the legal resources you may need. Um, those could be the Homeschool Legal Defense Association or the Florida Parent Educator Association. Um, if you prefer to use an umbrella school and kind of learn what those are in your area. Um, so an umbrella school is who I report to and I'll just explain that for a second. Um, so they are treated like a private school by the state of Florida. And so I report to them, not the county. So. So that's who I report to for all of our educational protocols. But you can also just report to the county that you're in. People have options. Florida is considered a moderate state as far as um, the legalities for homeschooling. And once you know what you prefer, then you just kind of get set up that way. Um, and then, you know, deciding on a curriculum. So that's why I liked going to the conferences, especially in the beginning, was to see all the items firsthand, flip through books and ask questions to the providers, um, listening to other uh, veteran veteran educators and, you know, in the area. Look for a co-op in your area that could be a big support to you um, for, for what you want to do, whether that's enrichment activities or academic classes, um, outdoor nature clubs. There's so much variety. And then I think the last piece of advice I would give would be just to remember that you're a parent first and that that relationship should take pride of place in your homeschooling journey. And it, and it requires being able to pivot when needed and to, to try to stay true to your plan, but to know sometimes when the plan needs to be set aside so you can really reconnect with a child or children. Well, that is all great advice, and we're so glad you are benefiting from the scholarship programs and uh, wish you all a wonderful school year. Thank you so much for joining us, Nicole. Thank you so much, Lisa.